All right, they stole Brian Carrington from us. They stole Jaden Rashada from us. We cannot continue to let the Sun Devils win. We'll talk to Richie Bradshaw from Locked On Sun Devils next. This is uh, Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yep, you hear the fancy music. It's Locked On Horn Frogs. Uh, thank you for making this show your first listen. Also, we're brought to you by FanDuel today. Appreciate them. We'll talk more in depth about them later and how you can get involved if you want to make some money, which is something that I know everyone loves. We got a little crossover edition today because. Late this evening, at least in the in the central time zone where I am, a little earlier in the day in the, the mountain time zone where Richie is, we're getting uh, TCU Arizona State and round one of the NCAA tournament. And uh, Richie, I think you could argue maybe nobody has had a better 24 hours um, for Hoops fans than Arizona State people because you watched uh, the Sun Devils blitz Nevada on Wednesday night. And then this afternoon – um, Princeton beat Arizona, not in a quiz bowl, but in a basketball game. And so which one, which one did you enjoy more? What was more enjoyable for you over the past 24 hours from a basketball standpoint? I tell you what, I, as much as I love my Sun Devils and I love winning, we don't pretend to be a basketball school. So when <laughs> we win, it's cool and everything. When U of A loses basketball, that is a field day. When they lose in March Madness, it's even better. When they lose to a 15 seed, it's 10 <laughs> times better. When they have become the first team in seeding history to lose to a 15 seed as the two seed twice and everything else that goes with it, yeah. Watching U of A lose is the pinnacle highlight of March Madness, and we're on day one at the mm -hmm. time of recording this. Like ASU could get blown out uh, tomorrow night slash tonight against TCU and I still won't care because <laughs> because I got to watch U of A lose to Princeton like they like you said it, it wasn't even a quiz bowl like no they they got beat in a sports game by Princeton yeah they did and I think uh another funny thing from that they scored like 55 points which was the least anybody's ever scored against a 15 seed a lot of fun facts for for Arizona State fans to hold on to well I was surprised Wednesday night I turned on that game and I'll be honest, I hadn't watched a lot of Arizona State basketball, and what I kind of knew and read and heard about the team was that they were a very defensive-minded group um, and that they were offensively challenged. Well, that wasn't the case on, on Wednesday. They were shooting the lights out, um, and, and everybody was scoring. So it, it was fun to watch. But I guess from your perspective, was that sort of out of nowhere? Was that a one-off thing? Are they better offensively than people – give them credit for what was your um what did you see on Wednesday night in that first four game that worked so well for them they're just a very streaky team because there's there's times where ASU is shooting really really well now not to the point of what they were doing against Nevada that was something we hadn't seen all year long they were mm -hmm. shooting almost 80 percent at halftime I mean they finished 60 percent they were they were an absolutely like terrifying team on offense against Nevada that that's not what we've been used to seeing this year but we we have seen a very streaky team there's times where it feels like everything's hitting for them and there's times where they can't buy a bucket and that oh 
that ultimately is what will do in Arizona State in this tournament is not being able to be consistent. And the other funny thing is when I talk about the Sun Devils basketball team, I say they're a one-half team. Not a first half, not a second half. They are a one-half team. They Sometimes it's the first half, and then they don't show up in the second, and sometimes they come out flat and dominate in the second half. For whatever reason, there's been very few times where we've seen the Sun Devils team play a complete 40-minute game. And it comes down to the inability to be a consistent shooting team. Uh, shooting from deep, it's there or it's not. Shooting from the field, it's there or it's not. The free throw line, not great. This is... This is not a team that makes the most out of those kind of opportunities. Defensively, though, like you said, they're pretty sound. More often than not, they've done a really good job limiting teams. They got figured out a little bit past the halfway point of the year. To start the year, they were like one of the top 10 defenses in the nation when it came to three-point percentage and stuff like that. Obviously, they got in the conference play, and it wasn't as good as it was then. But the, the defense is definitely probably the cornerstone of this team, and that's what they're going to rely on. They don't play with a lot of big guys. They only have Warren Washington mm-hmm. as a starting seven-footer. Everyone else is a guard, and they they it's as close to small ball as you're going to get when you consider you do have a seven-footer on the court. But everyone understands where they need to be, when they need to be there. It's, it's well executed. You wouldn't think that it was four transfers that are starting because these guys look like they've been playing with each other since they were in middle school. And so another intriguing aspect of this matchup, because I was I was chatting with Isaac Shade from the, the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast earlier this week, and he said he thought if, if Arizona State was the opponent, we could see a game like in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and I get why he thinks that, but it looks like, you know, the Sun Devils kind of got out in transition um, yet on Wednesday. I know TCU likes to do that too. It's funny that you describe them, and it's almost like these two teams are kind of mirror images of each other because TCU doesn't shoot the ball really well either. They have really athletic guards, um, and they do rely on their defense. But I know Arizona State takes care of the ball. So do you like? Do you sense that we're going to have an up-and-down pace? Do you think Arizona State's going to try to keep this in the half court? What does sort of your, your gut tell you about um, how that might play out? Or, or I guess where Arizona State wants to dictate the game, what are they going to try to do? I think that whatever the line ends up being from our friends at FanDuel, you should take the under on it. I think this is going to be a defensive-minded game. I think Arizona State is going to want to do everything it can to swarm around the court. Like I said, these guys understand how to play assignment basketball. They're really good about staying on their guys and everything. What's going to be the biggest factor here is if one of these teams can get hot shooting because if Arizona State – isn't able to get anything going, then it basically will be up to TCU and if they can shoot hot because mm-hmm. Arizona State can beat itself no problem. They, they don't they don't need TCU's help to lose. They can lose by themselves. But if TCU is shooting well and ASU's not, this won't be a close game. If if ASU can find a way to keep to keep up with them, I think we're in for an interesting game. But this is this is definitely going to be a defensive-minded game. Like I said, whatever FanDuel has as the listed over/under, I'm taking the under, and I'm I'm pretty confidently taking the under in this. I watched Warren Washington, and I know like he had a couple hook shots in that game. They were feeding him in the post sometimes. So TCU, Eddie Lampkin, one of their big men, left the team like right before the Big Twelve tournament. So now the the biggest guy on the floor for them is probably me, Xavier Cork, who stands at six nine. 
is that something that you think they'll exploit or is he somebody that they don't really use a ton, you know, in like post-up situations? Is he more of a maybe get an offensive rebound or, you know, a, a lob, a rim run type thing? What What's your view of kind of his offensive game and how they like to use him? I I feel like with Warren Washington, there's there's a lot more like substance as to what he brings as a player than what he does in the box score. Like he's only averaging a little over nine points a game, but there there's, there's a lot that he does for this team defensively. He's the top rebounder on the team. He's averaging just about seven a game. The big physical presence that he brings is really integral to what they want to do defensively. Now with that in mind, this is a double-sided blade because there are times where Warren Washington can be a little bit too physical and he has fouled out multiple times this year. It's, it's, it, 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 it's a good thing, but it's also something that gets used against him. And when he gets into foul trouble, that's when teams go after him naturally. And it works really, really well is if you're able to take advantage of Washington being that big physical presence. Cause I mean, like I said, he's a seven footer. He is a big dude. Mm-hmm. And you know that he wants to play big man style basketball. He goes up on the glass. He plays hard in the paint. He does everything you want him to do, but if you can get him in the foul trouble, you can do a really good job taking him out of the game because outside of Washington, they've got Enoch Bache is another seven footer. Duke Brennan's about six ten, I want to say, and they don't see the court nearly as much as Warren Washington does. So finding a way to eliminate Washington from the game would be one of the biggest strengths that the the TCU uh, Horn Frogs could probably do themselves in order to win this game would be to take away Washington. I want to ask Richie about these uh, Arizona State guards in a second. Before we do that, though, let's talk about FanDuel. Uh, Richie mentioned it earlier, a lot of NCAA tournament lines out there, prop bets. You know, were, were you someone who had Furman or Princeton winning today? Do you have a gut feeling about a big upset tomorrow? It'd be a great opportunity to put some money down. They're also the official betting partner of the NBA uh, Richie, are you a Suns fan? Is that is that your NBA loyalty? Yes, sir. Okay, so Richie, he roots for Devin Booker. Let's not hold that against him too much. I say that because I'm I'm a Mavs fan. But that's neither here nor there. Maybe Richie wants to put a futures bet on the Suns to win the title. We'll see if KD gets healthy. Slipped on the floor there in Toronto. That was a scary situation. But uh, yeah, Phoenix looks really good. Um, and there's you know money line bets. Then there's weird, wacky like who's going to hit the most three pointers in this game? Who's going to hit the first two three pointers in this game? A lot of different options. I also have a no sweat first bet deal going on. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to like get super involved in this, well, maybe just put five dollars down. There's up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets available if you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, that's FanDuel official betting partner of the NBA. NCAA tournament going on right now. World Baseball Classic, MLB right around the corner. You can do it all at FanDuel. They also have a safe, secure, and easy to use app, and they're a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
All right, so we've been chatting about this matchup coming up tonight, and we talked about you know some of the um, issues Arizona State's had offensively, even though they didn't have any issues against Nevada. So DJ Horn was the leading scorer, but it was really balanced for the the Sun Devils. Who's who's the go-to guy for this team, Richie? When they need a bucket, who do they get the ball to and say, "Let's get out of the way and let him go to work." Um, because I, I know you know the Cambridge guys are, are really good. Who is who's their go-to scorer uh, when when Bobby Hurley needs somebody to go get a bucket? Desmond Cambridge Jr. is a shooter through and through, for better or for worse. He <laughs> is he's one of those guys where I don't know how many how many times he has seen a shot and didn't instantly love it. He chucks that ball up. Sometimes you get really angry about it because it just isn't there. And then there's other times where that thing is just wet the moment it hits the net and you're like, this guy's amazing. Desmond Cambridge Jr. is the classic example of shooter shoot. And when he's on, he's on. And the Sun Devils can be as potent a team offensively as any team in, in the Pac-12 that there's been this year. He is a very special talent. The problem is he's hot and he's cold. There, there is very good Desmond Cambridge, and there's very bad Desmond Cambridge. His brother, Devin, is definitely more of a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. He's not the biggest point scorer in the world, but he's good defensively. He's good with assists and rebounds and everything else. DJ Horn will be another really, really big X factor in this game. DJ Horn, if Desmond Cambridge is hot and cold, then DJ Horn is like the sun or Pluto because <laughs> there's when when he's on he's almost impossible to stop. He he is a very special talent for Arizona State and he doesn't take as many shots as Desmond Cambridge which sometimes can lead to the lower outputs but again a very wow. very potent shooter anywhere on the court he can hit it from deep, he can hit it up anywhere inside the field, he can post up whatever you need him to do. He's a very good player. Arizona State has the shooters here with Desmond Cambridge Jr. and with DJ Horn. The problem is it's hot or cold, and mm -hmm. it's really hard to get them both going at the same time. Not a surprise. They were both going really, really well against Nevada, and they dropped 98 points. That's the kind of production you can get from these guys when they're both playing hot together. The problem is you almost never get them both at the same time. Sometimes you don't even get one of them. Um, I read this today. So this is this is not a new experience for Bobby Hurley. They've been in the play-in game, Arizona State, that is, multiple times in the past few years. And it's one of those things where I feel like, Richie, you can kind of construct the narrative however you want, if it's a good thing or a bad thing to play a game before you have to go into the first round. But do you feel like, I mean, with the way they shot the ball, is this some momentum that can carry over to Friday night? I imagine they feel pretty good about themselves after the performance against Nevada. They needed it because they had won two games in the Pac-12 tournament, including a game over USC, which to me was the definitive deciding factor to make ASU a play-in team for the tournament. If they lost to USC, there's no way they were making it. But after that game to USC, Arizona took care of them pretty handedly, and they kind of limped into that play-in game. So they needed to come out, not only win the game, but look confident. And I'd say that they accomplished the – the confidence that they needed to have during that game. So I think that it was very much a necessity for this team to play that game. I also think that because of the way you played that game, that yeah, 
like you said, hopefully you do take some of that momentum into Friday night and you are able to maybe generate some more production offensively than you normally do. I know that what I was just talking about with Desmond Cambridge Jr. with, you know, every shot looks good to him. The shot selection was a lot better against Nevada. Like I've heard the comparison before and I'll never forget this because it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard is someone said that ASU shot selection is like when you go grocery shopping and you're hungry, everything <laughs> looks good. You're, you're shooting it at everything that's ASU, but against Nevada, they felt a lot more disciplined and they felt like they knew what looked good, what didn't look good when the opportunities were there, when they weren't and they played better basketball. If they continue that against TCU, they have a chance in this game. And that that is the reason why I think I am confident heading into this game is because they didn't even need to drop 98 points against Nevada. The way that they played just looks like winning basketball through and through. So I think it was a necessity, and I really hope that this ends up being indicative of what we see hopefully not just Friday night, but moving forward as well. So switching gears here before we wrap up, I feel like I can't have you on the show and not ask you about it. Um, the Pac-12 is working on a, a media deal at the moment, and I, I'm starting to get like realignment, expansion fatigue. It feels like the people that think the Pac-12 is going to implode have dug their heels in with that opinion. The people that think they're going to stay together have sort of dug their heels in on their that opinion as well. But as an Arizona State fan, um, I know the Arizona and Arizona State presidents came out and said, hey, we're, we're waiting for this media deal to come. We think it's in our best interest to stay together. Would you be interested in the Sun Devils being in the Big 12? Do you think that's a likely option? What What is your uh, what's your kind of sense of what's happening with the conference right now? As, as it seems, at least on the surface, like it's kind of chaotic. The famous Thanos from the Avengers movies once said, I am inevitable. <laughs> and I believe that Arizona State ending up in the Big 12 is inevitable. I personally right. am one of those like Pac-12 doomsday kind of people. I see everything that's going on behind the scenes. And with U USC and UCLA leaving, you're losing the LA market. And that's going to be tough to replace. You don't have a firm grasp on other teams like Washington and Oregon, you talk about the four corner schools with Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, and Arizona potentially leaving for the Big 12. You could see this conference fall apart. And again, like tinfoil hat if I need to, but I think that the Pac-12 is probably not going to be around in 10 years or so. And for Arizona State and their best interest, I do think that a move to the Big 12 would be very, very beneficial for them in more ways than one. Like, you get to a larger market with the with the Midwest. You get to play the Texas schools, and everyone knows how important Texas uh, high school football is in Texas. You know that as oh, well yeah. as anybody does. That is, it is a religion out there. Hmm. You you are able to really market yourself more because you don't have the Pac-12 after dark. Like we love the hashtag; it's fun, but people on the East Coast aren't staying up for an eight thirty kickoff for Arizona mm -hmm. state. They're just not, but you, you allow yourself a ton of more opportunities to increase the, the admission rates to increase the productivity of the sports programs and the ability to continue marketing yourself 
people want to watch Arizona State now because they play in a conference that people care about. Like, there's a lot of there, – there, there's way more benefits than there are downsides here to moving to the Big 12. And I love the Pac-12. I will back the pack unless it is Arizona. But ultimately, I, I think bigger picture, the Big 12 makes way too much sense. Personally, I would love to move to the Big 12. Or if if we're plucking teams from the Big 12 to join the Pac-12, then TCU's on my list and you guys can come join us. <laughs> All right. I like this. I like this from Richie. Either he wants to join the Big 12 or bring the TCU uh, to the West Coast flavor there. That's Hip good no stuff. Dog. That's that's right, man. That that does have some Bill Walton vibes to it for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, I want to get Richie's prediction in a minute. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention Built Bar. A Built Bar, the best protein bar around. I've told you guys this before. Uh, my wife, she works early in the morning, so typically I'm getting my kids ready, and the last thing on my mind is what I'm eating, so it's good to grab a protein bar. Built Bar has a head out the door. Um, and it's it's good for you. Uh, my I have a friend, uh, Dr. Zeiser, who's a doctor. He kind of questions me on that, on the health benefits of Built Bars. But that's what the ad copy says, so I'm going to say it too. Only 180 calories, um, which, I mean, that's not a lot. And it's real stuff. It's real chocolate, you know, real sugars, real carbohydrates. It's not that fake junk. That it's like, oh, man, well, this doesn't taste great, but at least I'm not, you know, eating 2000 calories on the snack right now. Um, and it'll tie you over. It's good. It's a good snack. It's a good kind of meal replacement. You can go to builtbar.com or you can find it at your local Sam's Club. Uh, Built Bar, they've been sponsors with us for a long time. We appreciate their business. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap it up with this, Richie. You don't have to give me a score if you don't want to, but what are, what are your thoughts? What do you think happens uh, on Friday night? Who do you have winning this matchup? Like I said, I think this is this is going to be up to ASU how this goes. This isn't like a diss to TCU at all. This is me saying that ASU can win this game if they want to, and they can just as easily blow it. Like to me, all TCU has to do is show up, and they could win this game. ASU is so good at shooting themselves in the foot, and if they just can't figure out a way to carry momentum then this could be a long night for the Sun Devils. And I mentioned earlier, too, that this is a one-half team. They don't. They very rarely play a full 40 minutes or even more if they have to go to overtime, which is a very much worst-case scenario for this team if it does get to that point. I do think it's low scoring. I'm sticking with that. Whatever the line is, I will take the under for sure. Uh, check that out on FanDuel. But I think I'm going with my heart on this one. And I do like the Sun Devils simply because they're they're hopefully carrying that momentum from that Nevada game. And they're not dropping 98 on TCU. I'll tell you that right now. But if they can find a way to just play smart when it comes to the shot selection, because that's what's going to kill them. If they're just chucking the ball up, it's going to be a long night. But if they're playing smart basketball, and they understand that shots are going to be there, they're not, and they need to just find better opportunities, they can win this game. It's It really is going to be ASU's own worst enemy being themselves. I think I've got ASU in this game. I really do think this could go either way. I'm very interested to see how a good shooter like uh, Mike Miles Jr. Mm-hmm. is going to be able to work against a defense that can be really stingy, but also allow some opportunities. So I don't know. I I think this is going to be a very interesting game, 
to the people outside of TCU and ASU fans, hopefully they tune in because I think it's going to be fun. So I felt better about this one before I watched what happened Wednesday night, but I I will say this. I I think what, what stood out to me more than anything, even more than the fact that Arizona state shot the ball so well was that from the jump, you could just tell Nevada was overwhelmed by how athletic that team was. Um, And I don't think they've seen a group in a long time, certainly not in the mountain West that is long and has, you know, the ability to, to get up and down the floor like Arizona state does. I don't think TCU will be, you know, intimidated by that but Arizona State's a good team um the Frogs have had their own inconsistencies as well I believe in Mike Miles you know I believe in Emmanuel Miller and some of these vets that have been in the tournament before I think they pull out a close win and move on to round two to most likely face Gonzaga but should be a good one and Richie if our people um want to know more about your work and you know whether it's the podcast or following you on social where can they find you and Locked On Sun Devils on social media and on YouTube and all the various places? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at RichieBrads36, and you can find the podcast at LO underscore Sun Devils. Just so we're aware, I love TCU. I have no ill will towards them. I, I don't even know if I can hate you guys for the game. Like, I'll cheer <laughs> against you, but I really do love TCU. So if you're looking for someone who's not a TCU fan that'll root on TCU, I'm your guy. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, you got a great setup back there. I love ASU's color scheme. They're Thank a fun you. school to follow as well. Um, and I think it'll be a fun game tonight. So people watch it. And regardless of what happens, I know that I'll be back Monday. Rich will be back Monday because on the Locked On Network, it's your team every day. Have a fun 